Welcome to Stars Matter, a recruiting podcast from The Athletic. I'm Mitch Light, joined by a touring Ari Wasserman, making his, uh, along with Andy Staples, making your, not not a huge tour through the Southeast and SEC country, kind of a mini tour. Is that correct? Yeah, a mini tour. Three schools. Uh, was at Texas A&M early this week. I'm currently in Oxford, Mississippi now, and we will be ending the tour in Tuscaloosa for the A&M Alabama game. Now, we decided to use this game as uh, the tour because when we scheduled it, uh, we thought it would be super interesting to go to the game that was the talk of the offseason, right? Turns out it's still a very interesting game, but for very different reasons. One, Texas A&M's offense seems to be broken, um, which then in turn turns into a recruiting discussion about how they waste all their talent. Um, and then on the other side, Bryce Young is injured. So, um, very excited to get to Tuscaloosa. This will be my first home SEC game. Oh, wow. Um, and I'm hoping that the crowd uh, you know, be shows up. Because, They'll be ready. doesn't matter that A&M yeah. is struggling. Because Andy, Andy scoffed at me like a year and a half ago. Like I said, the best environment that I've ever seen with my own two eyes in college football was a Penn State whiteout. So he said it's no, no joke in the SEC. So, you know, A&M's team might stink. Which might kind of take take the the luster off of it a little bit, but I'm hoping that the hatred from the off season and the the shit talking that went on between these two coaches for a week and a half uh, will fuel the crowd. So um, it's definitely nice to be in the South. Nice to talk to these coaches and, and kind of get a sense for for how the recruiting Ole Miss is, you know, obviously doing a very good job at five and zero right now, and I think your boys are in trouble this weekend. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be know, uh, tailgating all day at Wake Forest for Parents Weekend, so I'm just going to pretend that the Vanderbilt Ole Miss game doesn't happen. So next Thursday, when we, or Wednesday, when we record Stars Matter, you'll just have to let me know how it goes, okay? Okay, I'll let you know. I'm sure you'll be streaming it on your phone and like duct taping it to someone's back, so <laughs> you can just like watch it the whole time. But we'll, we'll see how it uh, how it plays out. And you know, hey, your son's team is pretty good. Yeah, yes. Uh, playing Army. Looking forward to watching the slow mess versus the triple option Saturday night in Winston Salem. First game, I've I feel like if watch that game, I just spontaneously combust. Uh, but you know, hey, not a lot of five stars on the field on Saturday night uh, in, in Winston Salem. Yeah, the, some the good two, players. The, yeah, good players. I think that Wake Forest probably will have a pretty good shot at winning that one. But um, yeah, no, it's been a fun football weekend, and you know, it's been a few years since I've really gotten on the road like this, and you know, for more than you know a day at a time, and I'm I'm really enjoying myself, but also. Looks like we got some commitments this week and some big things to talk about on the recruiting front, so I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah. Are you jealous yes. that I'm spending time with another person I podcast with? It's it's okay. It's okay. I know you still love me. So, you know, it's there's a lot and of I've been uh, yeah. bothering you much less this week. Yes, which is it's good and bad. I, you know, it's one of those like be careful be careful what you wish for. Like it's like where's Ari? I miss him and then I'll next week you'll come, come back four times a like, day, you know. Yeah, yell at me yeah. if I'm working on someone else. Like I texted you before and said I can't look at your thing right away because I was looking at someone else's story. I expect you to flip out and you're like, Oh, this won't take long, don't worry about it. So either you're maturing or you're just kinda chilling on the road. But um, Well you never you said out you would take a look at it right away. Yeah, if you would have said I can't get away, <laughs> I would have freaked out. Yeah. But 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 uh, uh, yeah. Good show today because we got we got a lot to talk about. We got two more power five jobs open. So we're gonna discuss how Colorado and Wisconsin fit into kind of that pecking order we've been talking about. 
We will review some of those notable commitments you you uh, you talked about. I'm going to ask you, Ari, how worried are you about certain programs? And you don't know okay. which programs yet. I'm just going to throw spring this on you. Um, it's the, a podcast uh, game. I love it. Yeah. Well, I've learned – okay, mailbag and trivia too. But I've learned that it doesn't matter what kind of show prep – I do. You don't look at the document, so everything's springing on you anyway. So it's been – hey, we've been doing this for over a year. It's a pretty good podcast, so what, why change? Yeah. I'm like the kicker Mevis from Mizzou. I just don't need warm-up kicks. You just got there and knock the shit out of the ball? You just knock the shit out yeah. of the podcast? Well, I either miss an extra point-sized uh, or length field goal with the game <laughs> on the line or blast one from 57 against Georgia. I mean, I don't know which one it is, but hopefully uh, – um, I'm a Harrison Mevis, uh, the good Harrison Mevis on this show. So, yeah. Um, um, so yeah. Before we talk specifically about Wisconsin and Colorado, I have seen Bill O'Brien's name linked to Arizona State, and I I actually uh, uh, slacked Antonio Morales about this after your Kenny Dillingham uh, column. Is Bill O'Brien the most anti-Kenny Dillingham coach possible that Arizona State could hire? Like, would you just would your would your head could, explode if that happened? They could hire Kevin Sumlin. That would probably be worse. Okay, realistic. It, it, I think uh, O'Brien's um, probably the most realistic of those. I think it's the exact opposite of what I thought would happen or should happen. So yes, you're right. But that said, Bill O'Brien uh, took a complete disaster of a Penn State program. Right. Um, as it pertained to scholarship punishments and all that stuff and made a respectable team out of them. So, you know, I don't think that Bill O'Brien is going to make my vision come true or attempt to make my vision come true, but I think they, he could make them competent, yeah. which I guess is all they want. So yeah. I think they'd be uh, a consistent 7-8, potentially 9-1 team under Bill O'Brien. I think my, my hire would be a home run swing. Yeah. And when you take a home run swing, you miss hard too, right? They're like laying down a bunt and getting to first. So if they if they were to do that. So if you're an Arizona State fan, I guess it depends on what your temperament is and what you would want for your program. But I don't know that I would just want to go hire somebody who's a very good coach and is getting his career saved again at Alabama but would you know make them fine. I would try to reach for the stars. But that's just my personality and you know sports are fun. Don't you want to reach for the stars, or you just that, want to? That's be why you gamble a lot, so you can feel the pain or the uh, excitement. Yeah, yeah. I had Minnesota Vikings minus three and a half on Sunday morning when they were playing in London at eight fifteen. Yeah. And uh, why did you do that? Was dumb. It didn't work out well for me, but a missed extra point at the end <laughs> went from a four point lead to a three point lead, and I, you know, I'm sure you handled that well. Yeah, I actually bounced back on Sunday and had a great day. Good. One of the best days I've had in, in a long time. So. But yeah, no, I mean, honestly, if you're a fan, don't you want to root for the best thing? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Or do you, like, no, I mean, it's like, I, I totally get what you're saying. It's just kind of like, would you rather, and we've learned from coaching hires that we have no idea what's going to happen, but would you rather hire a guy, and we're not saying this is Bill O'Brien, but just hypothetical, that there's an 80% chance that you made five bowl games in the next six years, and one of those years you, you, you know, you flirted with the conference championship, maybe? Or would you rather hire but no outstanding season? Yeah, or would you rather hire a guy that there was a thirty percent chance he won two Pac-12 titles in the next eight years, but there was a sixty percent, and I know thirty plus sixty doesn't equal hundred, sixty percent chance that he flamed out and got fired in three years. You know, it's just kind of like which would, and the arguments for both. Which one would you rather have? 
I'd probably go with the consistent, knowing that my I know you would, because you're boring as hell with that shit. Come I'm on. I'm not boring as hell. When it comes to your fanhood, you are. You want even Steven, no chaos. I want chaos. I'm a Brooklyn Nets fan. There's plenty of don't chaos you want, there. But I have no want, control over it, so. I mean, I feel like, don't you want your program to swing? And what if ASU turned into the vision that I had for the lead? I would yeah, take a 30% if, chance of that happening rather than being boring. Yeah, there's and also there's also debating what a ceiling what the ceiling is for a program like ASU too. Like even if Kenny Cunningham was everything you hope for and more, are they going to win a national? It doesn't championship even have game? to be Kenny Dillingham. Yeah, I know anybody who meets that mold. Okay, Let, let's let's move on because we got more coaching openings to talk about. As it just so to you know, Mitch, yes. I just want you to know before you move on, eight and four is boring. Yeah. No, it depends it's on painfully program. boring. Depends on the program. I mean, especially from a beat writer's perspective, you either want chaos or you want. Well, I mean, that's that's what we talk about the athletic. That's like if you're a beat writer, you want a great season or implosion. Yeah, you don't want to just write about. Right. Eh, this team is fine. Right. Um, okay, so Wisconsin opened up. Very surprising development. Colorado opened up. Not mm-hmm. a very surprising development. Before, like I've been, we talk coaching hires all the time because that's what we do college football media i've been closely monitor monitoring these like since i started athlon sports in 2001 wrote about him every year ranked him really did deep dives on some of these coaches and admitting that we have no idea what's going to happen the two coaching hires that i thought had absolutely no chance of working out over the last 20 years the most were when when uconn hired paul pasqualoni and when colorado hired carl durrell and they both got fired within three years so that was no surprise so why did you feel that way about durrell he didn't do very well at UCLA. I was record was okay, but he wasn't known as a very good recruiter. And he was an assistant coach at Vanderbilt under Derek Mason, his first staff. And I don't want to go into too many details. It just didn't go very well. There's a lot of stories about his, his brief tenure at, at Vanderbilt. And then he went back to the NFL for six or seven years. Hadn't been in the college game, you know, one year out of a 15-year, 12-year stretch. He just seemed like just a really a, a reach, uh, sort of like a retread type Definitely a retread type hire. So um, last week I asked you to rank from a recruiting standpoint, Arizona State, Nebraska, Georgia Tech. What was it? You had Arizona State first. You had Nebraska second and then Georgia Tech first? Yes. Okay. How to throw Wisconsin yeah. and Colorado into those? How, how do you rank those? Those five? I think I would take ASU first. Okay. Um, Wisconsin second. Ooh. Okay. So Wisconsin over Nebraska. Why? Then Nebraska third, and it's very close. Um. There's, there, are, you know, there, are, there are a few more players in Wisconsin, probably not many more. I think that you could, I think that you could make the case that Nebraska should be second because they might have a higher ceiling. I would agree with that. But there are other things built into Wisconsin that don't exist at Nebraska. And then the other ones were um, Colorado and Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech would be fourth, and then Colorado, Colorado would be last, dead last. I think um, Bud Elliott on Twitter said this because I was thinking this, and he just said it. Not out loud. He tweeted it and very succinctly said it. Like, what makes Colorado cool to a lot of people? Like, but the, the demographics of the people that think Colorado is cool, University of Colorado in Boulder, is not the demographic of the type of player you need to recruit to yeah, win college you football. You're not recruiting a bunch slopes of don't. Yeah, you're not recruiting a bunch of middle-aged dudes who like Say going it. there to cover middle-aged white guys to go cover. Yeah. Um. To to. To uh, who like that is one of their stops in their Pac-12 swing. 
That's right. Now, the thing that I have a hard time with Colorado is, and we were just joking about this with, with Andy in the car, it's just like, just because something is pretty doesn't mean it's an easy place to win. If that were the case, then Hawaii would be a juggernaut, right? Like, I mean, it's not, it's not a, there's no correlation between living in a beautiful area and winning big football games, right? So if you take a look at all of the most dominant programs in college football, for the most part, they're in very not pretty areas. You know, I heard Athens is one of the best college towns in America, but I don't consider an hour north or whatever of Atlanta to be some some mecca of topography. You know, Tuscaloosa, Alabama isn't gorgeous. I lived in Columbus, Ohio for 10 years. It's a nice city. It's not beautiful. Um, you know, what is the what is the best program in college football that happens to be in a beautiful city? USC. That's got to be it, right? And you can make a case that parts of L.A. aren't that pretty. Well, you could say yeah. that. You know, the thing about Boulder, you can say that, too, about a lot of southern SEC, like Auburn, Alabama. Athens, Georgia, Oxford, Mississippi, where you are, it's it's not it's not the easiest place maybe to bring in you know kids from the inner city, um, but all those big state schools you're not going to bring a three they're, 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 they have enough diversity at all those schools because they're big enough. Four star prospect running back from Fort Worth, Texas, up to Colorado, he might think that Boulder is beautiful, but it doesn't mean he's going to play there. Yeah, the same way that people go taking trips to Miami. And take trips to to USC and UCLA and other places that are in gorgeous places that don't go there. I mean, it's just not a thing, especially considering the fact that a ski town is, you know, and I've never been to Boulder, so I don't know what it's like there, but I've been to Aspen and I've been to Vail. Those are very beautiful places, but they're upper echelon, upper end, expensive ski property type places that upper middle class, upper class white people tend to visit. So it's not going to help Reuben Owens get Reuben Owens. You know what I mean? It's not going to help you get anybody else uh, in that regard of the top 50 players in the country. So the thing that I struggle with the most with Colorado Mitch is, you know, I look at other programs and especially the ones that you just listed on your, on the list you gave me and I can come up with a plan. I have no idea where you even begin at Colorado. Well, they won a national championship in the 90s recruiting L.A. Yeah, and I think that I guess you have to probably focus on your Pac-12 footprint, right? And that, I guess, would be a part of it. And they were actually, they were in the Big 12 when they did that, too, which was interesting. Yeah, and it's like a harder thing now than it was then. Um, so the reason why they're dead last on my list is because it is a beautiful place and I would like to go visit it one day. I'm sure the mountains and the, the snow, snow-capped mountains are pretty. I don't know what my recruiting plan would be. I think I could come up with a recruiting plan for the other four. I mean, Georgia, Texas is as easy as it gets, right? Right. Um, Wisconsin has had a foundation um, of success for multiple decades, right? And they seem to have a plan in place that works for them. You know, go get the guys that embody the way that they, you play football. Develop the shit out of them. Um, you know, get the players that embody that personality and win, right? And that's kind of how it started slipping there a little bit. Um, Nebraska, I think, would be the transfer king heaven, right? Storied program that doesn't have a lot of talent in its state, but also is the perfect landing spot from an NIL history and passion standpoint for a player that doesn't care about geography the second time around 
because I think you can make the case that portal kids care way less about where a school is located and much more about what that school can offer and give them. In the short term. Um, they've got a in the short term shelf life. Than you do when you're picking your four-year university. And, you know, Nebraska certainly has probably the most to offer out of any of the five on that list because they care about it there. And they've got a passionate fan base. They've got amazing facilities and a historic, uh, you know, book full of accomplishments. Yeah. Um, and then the other one would be Arizona ASU, yeah. which is which why you, I, you've laid out the you know, plan. I've it's laid out the plan. Yeah. So it's easy and it's also in a beautiful place. Yeah. I was sort so, of kidding when I said easy. I was being a little patronizing, but it's okay. No, no. Coming up with a plan is easy. Yeah. Executing oh, you, it is easy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know the, the question. Maybe I think, that's the next story. We've talked about your 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 fake your funny fake slogans for every every school in the country. Oh, we got to do that. Yeah, we we, do like that. five five step five bullet point plan for every school. Now there'd be a lot of overlap, but that would be that might be interesting actually. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like Georgia Tech is a very easy plan. Excellent. Everybody has the <laughs> same plan at Georgia Tech. No one's reinventing the wheel there. They're not executing it, <laughs> you know. And maybe executing that, maybe the inability to execute the obvious plan means you need a new plan. Maybe that's why Paul Johnson was successful there because his style did not rely on recruiting an abundance of elite athletes. But I mean, if you think about the recruiting territories that Colorado has to go after, and if LA is the right one, you know, they could dip into Phoenix, maybe go up to Washington. It's just not a very good plan. And like, I wonder if. And we, we talked about this last year, but what are the five most uh, – the five schools that have the most inherent challenges to succeed? One of, one of our schools Syrac- is, what, 5-0 and oh in ranked for the first time? Yeah, Syracuse. Which Syracuse yeah. was the one – I think won the thing. Okay. You have Washington State, who has had flashes of brilliance. I mean, you could make the case that Kansas has won, and they're 5-0. Fu- they're and oh. Yeah. So like I, I think Kansas' only place... problem is that they've sucked for 15 years. Like they're close. Yeah. Lawrence is close to Kansas City. It's it's not in the middle of nowhere. Like it's Kansas every State. bit as doable as Iowa State. Yeah, more so. Like yeah. I, so yeah. I, I think Syracuse, Washington State. Some of those are geography. So Kansas is basically just recent tradition. West Virginia was a tough one because they are far away from their conference. Yes. Uh, but also West Virginia is a very quick drive into Ohio. Um, I think Colorado belongs on that list. And I think part of the reason why it wasn't on that list is because it's pretty. But it doesn't matter. Yeah. It really doesn't. If there was a correlation That's between... That's your slogan. That it's of, pretty, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. I mean, honestly. Yeah. So, no, you know, I, 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 I hear you. And it's like Carl Zarell's not going to work out there. You know, and I don't know. Mel Tucker wasn't there long enough for us to figure it out. But, like, shit, man. Like, who's going to... Who wants to go there? They'll, they'll have no shortage of people that want Power 5 jobs. There's no shortage of any Power 5 job. But they might have to go Kenny hire Dillingham. somebody. Maybe. I don't know that I would think he's a great fit there. Sure. But maybe somebody that doesn't have the, the Mitch Light stamp of a... Someone who went to Boulder High School It doesn't have it? A, the Mitch Light stamp of approval when it comes to their resume, but might be an outside-the-box hire who's a forward-thinking person that might be able to discover something there. Yeah, because going on like how many lists of of people are going to go hire Dan Mullen? Like how many people are on the list? Decent choice there, actually. Yeah, I mean, I bet he would. I mean, what 
he's got a name that people recognize. So, you know, the first thing I'd want to do is hire somebody who doesn't understand how to recruit or the importance of recruiting at a place that has no layups. That's, that's a recipe for success. Or maybe go get some guy who's energetic and frantic about recruiting at a high level and actually does something unique. So that's a very hard thing to do. And it's funny because they, how much money do these universities hire, hire for search firms? They spend millions of dollars on these search firms. It's like, bring me in. I'll sit down. I'll sit behind the desk. That's okay. That's another thing that every sports writer thinks they could do be a search firm. I'm not saying you I think couldn't. I would be good. Yeah. I mean, everyone thinks they'd be good at it. Um, so Wisconsin. I mean, you're the one who just got done saying you knew he was going to fail there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I also, there's a lot of guys who I thought would do well and got fired too. I was just saying that. Um, yeah. So Wisconsin's obviously, we, I'm sure you guys talked a lot about it on Andy's show this week. Um, the interesting thing is about Wisconsin is that they, they have never really recruited well except for that one top 25 class, but it didn't matter because they had their blueprint and it worked and they weren't always the most exciting team, but they won a lot of games. And then when they start stop winning games, then you can point to the recruiting and say, we need a guy, need a guy who can be a better recruiter here. And I looked at their last classes. These numbers aren't surprising, but the highest ranked skill guys at Wisconsin – in their classes. 2018, number 456, a running back. 2019 is a little bit of an outlier because they got Graham Martz, who's that's part of the problem. He hasn't developed. Then after that, it was a running back, 553. 2020, highest rated skill guy was Jalen Berger, running back at 136. 2021, wide receiver, 380. 2022, a wide receiver, 736. And then 2023, the commitment, a running back, 553. I mean, that's why they can't beat Ohio State. Right, exactly. They're, they're in a league with Ohio State, Michigan, and but Penn State. Just... It, but it doesn't mean that – I like, I honestly don't think that Wisconsin's issue is recruiting because Wisconsin and what makes it attractive is a blueprint of success. But that blueprint that works until it doesn't work, and then when it doesn't work – I'm not I know, saying I – doesn't. it didn't work because there was some slippage in the in the program. So, you know, and you want to maintain that, that standard. Now, I don't know. Like, what do you think? Do you think he was fired too soon? I mean, I didn't go read all the comments, but the mailbag I wrote, I mean, there was like 300 comments in there now. Yeah. People I, like agreeing and disagreeing. And, I, you know, I wrote that if you have a sense that you need to move on from your coach or that things aren't going well, then to, to do it, to maintain your standard. But others are like, this guy's had an eight-year run of, of success and he has two bad years and you're just going to fire him. And then you're going to risk turning into year. Nebraska. Yeah. Was one, well, last year wasn't very good either. True. Um, so I mean, it wasn't Wisconsin good. I mean, yeah. there was a year, there was like a five year stretch there, dude, where Wisconsin's preseason over under a win total was like ten. Yeah, you know, like they they win. Like the thing that Wisconsin has always done is won the games they're supposed to win. Now they might lose to Ohio State or, you know, yeah, but that's part of the deal. Everybody for the most part has yeah. been losing to Ohio State badly. And if you remember, you know, Wisconsin was at the fifty yard line down by less than a touchdown in the Big Ten championship game in the fourth quarter against Ohio State four or five years ago. So, like, you know, you get the right year and the right skill guy that can make something happen. You know, they've had a lot of really good running backs. Like, you're going down the list of, of you know, sure. they don't have they don't have a highly rated, uh, you know, skill position player, and I think it's a very valid point. But they've also, like, what was Jonathan Taylor rated? Like, I don't even know the answer to that question. So, um, Well, he got fired for two reasons. They got their ass kicked at home by Brett Bielema and Jim Leonard's a defensive coordinator. Right. right. So, and I think it makes sense to do it now if you want to give Jim Leonard a year to to try out. 
I don't think it has to be him at the end. Can Jim Leonard be Brian Hartline? Um, I mean, Brian Hartline is a great assistant, but like he's his reputation isn't. I mean, if he didn't sign all those five star receivers, you wouldn't even know who he is. Right. Except he played. Like in the you NFL. can't. You. Yeah. Well, yeah. I just, I just met an is, alum who recruits really well. You know, but I think the alum thing is is stupid. I don't care if he's an alum or not. I don't think there's any substantiated evidence that shows that a person who graduated from that university is any more or less qualified to make that place good than any random person they find on the street with other qualifications. Yeah, I mean, I think that's proven. People like hiring an alum. Yeah. I know. It's nice. It feels good. Yeah. Uh, but if the alum isn't the best candidate, then I don't care where the other candidate went. So, you know, that's just my personal opinion. And, like, the thing that I always have had a hard time with, Mitch, is grammar hiring hammerings yeah grammar and uh <laughs> writing interesting stories but <laughs> no uh, your stories are interesting this is getting there sorry bud Go um ahead. i just i interrupted you is hiring somebody from within when your team sucks because the person who's coming from within is also a part of the problem you know and i'm not saying that jim leonard can't raise the bar or or do what he needs to do you know i'm assuming i'm like 99 percent sure he's probably going to get the job that's what the general that's what people believe. So that's what everybody believes. So maybe that's the case. But like, what to me, I think that Wisconsin's probably a top twenty-five program or a top twenty-five job nationally. Now, the the thing that I would have well, a hard life, time with expectations factor into that too. Yeah, the hard the thing that I have a hard time with is if I were the person who was taking the job. There are pros and cons when you when you measure it up directly against Nebraska, who is in the meat of my list. Because I think Nebraska's ceiling absolutely could be potentially higher. But I also think at Nebraska, you get three years and then you're canned if it doesn't go well. It's a dumpster fire right now that you have to rebuild. And Wisconsin is at a place right now where it's not doing so hot, but the foundation is sturdy. And if you do get things going, it's a, it's a much shorter path to 10 wins a year there than it is anywhere else. At the same time, my temperament would be to try to build something myself and to go to a place that has a higher ceiling. So, like, if you wanted to swap Nebraska and say that's a better job opportunity than Wisconsin, that might sound crazy to most people. It does not sound crazy to me. So, um, also depends on your age. I think, like, I think Stu Mandel had a Twitter poll, and I think it was like 65 35 people said Wisconsin was a better job. I think if you're young and you don't remember Nebraska in the 80s and 90s and you just know Wisconsin wins 10 games a year, you're going to say it's a better job. But that's the thing that I can't stand about the Nebraska um, narrative. Everybody thinks that all Nebraska is is really good teams in the mid-90s. And kids don't remember that, sure. But most kids don't remember Wisconsin being great either. I mean, honestly, these kids that are going through the recruiting process right now, everybody thinks that they are like us and that they sit in front of their TV for 12 straight hours on Saturday and remember everything. These kids don't even watch college football half the time. They know who the cool programs are. They know who's playing in the playoff. But it's not like they can go, wow, Minnesota's looking really good so far this year. It's not like that for them. So the thing that the 90s did for Nebraska isn't the memory of how good they used to be 30 years ago. The memory is dead for everybody. I mean, I don't even remember. I was eight years old when they won their championship. Now, I remember them being good, but I don't have any distinct memories of like the of the golden years. But what it does have is the infrastructure 
the finances, the facilities, and the fan base that does remember that makes Lincoln, Nebraska a pretty special place. So, like, to me, I think that that's the sales pitch. The sales pitch isn't, holy shit, we used to be awesome in the 90s. Look at all these national championships we used to won. You remember Eric Crouch? Like, that's not what it is. What it is is, what is it, 600 consecutive sellouts or whatever it was. The traditions, the facilities that that place has, the amount of money that comes in and out of that place, the NIL that they have to offer. And all of those things are probably in existence right now because of how good they were 30 years ago. Like, do you see that distinction? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, so it's all to me, baked into it, really. It's, the it's all into it. The reason yeah. it's an awesome place is because the fans are awesome, and the fans are awesome because of the tradition. You can't really and the, Yeah, separate, and you can't erase yeah. that because it's been a long time since they've won. Right. When was the last time Michigan won a national championship? Does anybody remember when they were good? Like, does anybody remember when Colorado won a championship or when ASU almost won one in 1997? Or Georgia's last national championship before last, last year? year. Oh. These kids don't remember. And, like, the thing that's so funny is, is it's like the number one question is like, oh, my God. They won a championship in 2010. Auburn won a championship in 2010. These kids don't remember that. They don't remember it 10 years ago. They don't even remember three years ago. They don't even watch it. So that's my that's my uh, my little rant. But I think no. it's a, a fair one. Fair, fair. Um, I mean, Nebraska is always one of the more interesting programs to talk about because of that, because of the tradition and the lack of recent success. Now, Tennessee's one. I don't want to get on a tangent here, but Tennessee's a program that's often compared to Nebraska. And Tennessee is showing, now they've still got a lot of work to do, but they've recaptured that magic. But Tennessee's also in a much better recruiting but area. But isn't Tennessee, isn't Tennessee kind of the same thing? But the recruiting area is a big deal, that's, right? That's a huge difference. But also Tennessee is a very hard state to recruit, too. But they are, so. they are two hour, three, two and a half hours from Atlanta. They're, they're right across the border. And they've recruited well, but so has Nebraska, dude. Right. Like, that's yeah, that's the thing. A, yeah, like, we don't Nebraska's need to. Like, they Nebraska like hasn't top been recruiting 50 yeah, it, it's it, development they, and retention there. Let's uh, move on and talk about a school that uh, you're probably what, two miles from right now. How close are I'm you? I'm on Ole Miss. Yeah, how close are you to the campus? Uh, have you been here? Like ten times. We're by the square. Okay, so yeah, you can walk. Um, I think we could walk to campus. Yeah. So, Ole Miss gets a commitment again. We're in that time of year where there's a commitment lull. A lot of kids taking visits. Not a ton of commitments. Um, Braxton Myers, four-star safety from – is it Coppell, Texas, or Capel? I think it's Coppell, right? Um, I haven't been in Texas long enough to know that definitively. Okay. Um, but they produce a lot of players over the years. So you're I thought it was Coppell, but Yeah, I, I think it's Coppell. You're a recruiting guy. We, should know how to, we both should know how to pronounce that. Um, you know that geography is not my strength. Right. Um, that's, so four-star safety. But the reason I bring up all this also is because the top player in their class um, – Sunterine Perkins from Raleigh, Mississippi, the top player in Mississippi, is visiting Alabama this week. He's the only top 100 player in Ole Miss's class. He's 77 nationally. There's been rumors of a flip for months, months to Alabama. He's been to Alabama before. He's going this weekend. My guess is that he ends up signing with Alabama. That'd be a big blow for, for Ole Miss. So that's something to watch. Um, oh, by the way, if you're not paying attention, Ole Miss might be or probably will be undefeated when they play Alabama this year. Yeah, it might be eight no versus eight no. That would be fun. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, and you know what happens? This person is rumored to flip to Alabama. Usually, winds yes. up being a flip to Alabama. So, yes. you know that's tough. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin has been kind of labeled the portal king. 
Um, but how they're recruiting is going to have to shift on a year-by-year basis. We, that's the entire Andy Staples show today. So, so you guys talk about get, recruiting? We did. And program building and, and how, you know, it can shift now from one year to another. Like if you did really well in the portal one year, that doesn't necessarily put you in a position where you have to use the portal every year. And the hope for right, you have to adapt. The staff is you have to be flexible. What, what do you need? If they have a very good year this year and they can sell the testimony of that good year, that they can start to accumulate better talent out of high school and then be less reliant on it. Yes. So, but in the years where they are reliant on it, they hope too that they're the players in the portal that you need. So, I mean, they've done a very good job so far, obviously. All right. So, another school that you were just at. It was also in the news recruiting-wise this week, Ari. Texas A&M gets five-star defensive lineman David Hicks, who, if you follow this stuff closely, looked like he was going to Oklahoma until he wasn't. We'll find out where he actually signs. But things aren't going great on the field. So what does Texas A&M do? They add another defensive lineman. Maybe David Hicks can play quarterback. I don't know. They need some offensive players. But the class is up to number 18 now. 12 commits, two five-stars, seven four-stars. Here's what you need to know. Average player rating of 92.91 is fourth in the country. So while their class is 18th because of their it's relatively low in numbers, they're, the quality of players, not what it was last year, but it's outstanding. Yeah. You know, the thing that's interesting, well, I mean, it's not last year, but I don't think anybody was rational could no. expect them to do that again. But what I will say is 12 commitments, six of which are in the top 100. And now you have a five-star defensive lineman and a five-star linebacker, uh, both from Texas in your class, leading the way. You know, that's a really good thing for them. Now, my column after the game that they won over Arkansas a week and a half ago was all about maintaining uh, what they're building. So the fact that they're able to get this this five-star defensive lineman, not that they didn't get a ton of them last year, <laughs> It's just another reassurance of that. So now the thing with A&M that's really hard is there's a lot of people mad at Jimbo Fisher. His offense stinks. Um, it's not something that's going to be able to be fixed this year. And the hope for them is that it doesn't all come crashing down. Now there's no inherent danger at all of him being fired because of his guaranteed contract. He'll probably be there no matter what happens for at least five more years because no one's paying somebody 85 mil to not work. Um, but it wouldn't be smart probably to fire him anyway because you don't want to blow up the momentum of what's going on. So, you know, if A&M signs 20 kids this year and four more of them, which means eight more commits, and four of those commits are also top 100 players, then you have a class with 10 top 100 players in it on the, on the backs of the class that they signed a year ago, and now you're back to creating... You're one step closer to creating that roster that's supposed to be very good. Throw Connor Wegman into that mix next year. Get better offensively. And you have you have the the way that I've been describing it is it's like a kid at a birthday party sitting at a table. And there's a balloon. You were recently the father of a birthday girl? Yeah, maybe this is why. A balloon that's just out of arm's reach. The baby is reaching up for it, trying to grab that balloon. It's right fucking there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, And it's just like, I can see it. You can see it. They can see it. Are they ever going to be able to grab it? Here, here, is there you know, that's, more pressure 
Okay, Wisconsin, if Graham Mertz was good, Paul Chris would have a job. So, like, his lack of development or the offense's lack of development at Wisconsin kind of sabotaged the program. How much does Texas – excuse me, I'm getting choked up, getting emotional. Does Texas A&M need Connor Wegman the to balloon, be good? The balloon analogy gets him. Yeah, um, how important is Connor Wegman for this whole entire yeah. program? Yeah, I mean, he's, he's it's huge, you know. Um, and I'm very curious if he's going to play this year. I mean, I'd be surprised if we get to a point where he doesn't play sometime. He's not staying five not, years, so it's not like you need to preserve you're gonna be red year of eligibility. Drunk at uh, Wake Forest all weekend because you're a party animal, and I don't know who's going to be editing my story, but I already know what I want to write about. Oh, you're, are you, oh, you are writing? We didn't talk about this. I oh, yeah. Yeah, I am going to write because I'm going to a game. And I'm and I just like all I want to do is write Texas A and M columns for the rest of my life. How do you feel Steve about me Sam not com- editing your story? It sucks. I know. Uh, might not get calls about bullshit semantics that make no sense, but <laughs> you know, it it'll, I'll miss you. Um, yeah, you know, the thing that's interesting about A and M is that there is a coach who otherwise would be on the hot seat who has an absolutely insane guaranteed contract who is being stubborn with how he wants to control his offense. So it's a very frustrating scenario because even if things suck, like let's say Connor Wegman never plays well, what the hell are they going to do about it? Hopefully get a that's why I think these, <laughs> that's why I think these 10 year guaranteed contracts are dumb. And I don't know if I said this, uh, on another show, but I'll say it to you. Well, how many coaches in the history of, of modern day recruiting, I mean, going back to 2000, even, got hired at a place that is starving to win, has great tradition, a lot of passionate fans, got hired, built that into a national power, and stayed for the entire 10 years. How many people did that? Nick Saban? I guess Nick Saban's one of them, yeah. But he didn't get Anywhere that. Who else? Yeah. Uh, I mean, going back, there was coaches with a lot longer tenures, but in the modern era... Nobody? I don't know. Yeah, just recently. Dabo was the yeah, other one. Yeah, okay. So you're given Mel Tucker. You're given James Franklin. Lincoln you're given Jimbo Fisher. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley. I don't know what Brian Kelly's contract is, but I assume it's, it's something long. similar. Yes. All this money that should be going to the coaches who have done it already. And in 20 years of college football, a person who used to be the publisher or the main boss of a college football magazine who knows everything that's happened in this sport for the past 20 years on the back of his hand can't come up with examples of what the fuck that's supposed to turn into. <laughs> or or, or you, you can't come up with examples of how it's worked out. Is that how you want to spend $100 million? Ex- Expectations of something that's happened only twice it's- at two very good programs? Is that how you want to do it? No, but... We're not the ones. What if Mel Tucker sucks? Well, look at his team this year. What if he stinks? Yeah. I'm not saying he does, but what if he does? What if in two years he stinks? They're screwed. <clears throat> so Texas A&M is in that kind of danger zone where you've got this coach who at least their has coach won his ass championship. Off. Yeah, but he won it at a time when it was much easier. I know. I'm just saying, though, he did win. And I'm not. And I'm not. And I'm not diminished. Yeah, I mean, at least what they did with him was was somebody who earned it. But they need Jimbo Fisher to get Dabo Sweeney, Nick Saban results for him to be worthy of that contract. I'm not writing that check on a speculative coach, ever. 
I don't care how hot much of a hot shot he is. Too many hot shots in the sport go and come and flame out like they never wore anything. If you were the AD at Arizona State, after Kenny Dillingham went 3-0, you'd give him a 10-year contract. I would not give anybody a 10-year <laughs> contract. Because I'd also be afraid, too, that when you guarantee somebody a shit ton of money like that, what that means for their drive. I don't think it's hurting Nick Saban's drive. You think Kevin Sumlin's <laughs> having a hard time living life right now? No. No, I would give Nick Saban that contract. I know. I was kidding. I wouldn't give somebody who I think has to be Nick Saban. Yeah. Mel Tucker is being paid for Nick Saban results. It's insane. So when you ask me, well, what about the A&M and how much pressure does it feel? I don't think Jimbo Fisher feels a goddamn thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if we're being honest with each other, the guy's paid. And he's stu- and you're stuck with him. But he's, a, he's, a, he's human. Human nature. No one likes to be criticized. Yeah, sure. I'd be criticized for that much money. You, you are criticizing the comment section. I'm, con- I'm, criticized. <laughs> I'm, cr- I'm criticized enough as it is, and I'm not making 100 mil. All right. Let's talk about another one of these programs you just mentioned with the coach. Uh, I, under the radar, but... This is a good podcast, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... Like, are you feeling it? I'm yeah, feeling like we're having a good show. Yeah, I mean, I got tons of notes here. I keep trying to move on because we got even... There's like three commitments all week and we could record for two hours here. Under the radar, very important, maybe the most important commitment of the week. Maybe more important than David Hicks, who's a five-star. USC, Elijah Page, mm-hmm. four-star offensive tackle from Phoenix. High school teammate of five-star tight end Deuce Robinson... But what are we talking mm-hmm. about? USC getting offensive lineman. Former Notre Dame commit, decommitted, goes to USC. Important on a lot of levels because they needed a commitment. But I don't think I've seen – I mean, Elijah Page is not going to say this publicly. But is he more interested in USC now because they look really sexy on offense and they're 5-0? and And then Notre Dame couldn't move the ball. So he's looking at the landscape. And we, I, we always talk about how kids aren't really swayed by results. But if you're looking at those two programs and you had a tough time deciding, maybe he's like, okay, I can play closer to home at USC. Notre Dame's often struggling. so I just Because I, I, those two schools recruited against each other. I just On a lot of levels, this is a really nice win for USC. Yeah, and also Deuce Robinson is one of their top remaining targets right. on their board. Um, and that guy is a freak. So, and I know that he's like into the SEC now and visited Georgia and, and all those, you know, so you start playing yeah, the that The problem game, with that is you know, can be looking at Brock Bowers and be like, hmm, that's very interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I mean, I can't be looking at anything at Georgia. <laughs> I mean, what, he just close those eyes and feel around. Yeah. Figure it out with all the all the wins they've got there. I mean, I don't got to see anything. Um, but, yeah, and the funniest thing about this whole thing is like Elijah Page is being treated like he's some, like he's Josh Connerly or something. Right, he's... And I'm not saying that he's not a good player. He's 237. You know, it's a great win because USC needs these these players. And obviously, you know, Phoenix is probably an important place for them right now, especially while there's an opening. Well, he's going to flip to ASU once Kevin Dillingham gets the job, right? Well, I mean, that's the type of player that eventually Arizona State would like to get. Yeah. I mean, how much fun would it be if they got Elijah Page and, and Deuce Robinson? Wouldn't you want to get a coach who has a shot of doing that? Yep. We don't get to digress into that, into that madness anymore. But like that's how that's. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's we talked about huge. with Washington, Seattle. That it's like, like, can you imagine that that animal playing at Arizona State? How freaking awesome that would be! You know what he's going to do? He's going to go to Georgia, and he's just going to be the next in line when Georgia wins their next championship. The next, like, set. you know that, and that's the way that. Then that is precisely the problem with the sport. 
That's what it is. And yep. if you're tired of hearing us talk about the same four or five teams anymore, then root for a guy like Kenny Dillingham to get a job. Yep. Agree. Uh, but yeah, absolutely monumental because the position is of great need for them. Yes, um, and Antonio Morales has written about this a lot. There, there's that narrative out there that USC's offensive line sucks. It sucked two, three, four years ago. It's been fine. They've had some injuries. hasn't been great this year, but it's it's fine. But they it's not elite. It doesn't match their wide receivers and their their running back. So USC, it's good enough to get through the Pac-12. They'll get right. absolutely They'll destroyed get when they play play, and they might. Right. At the end of the year, depending on how it goes, play a Georgia-like team. Right now, they're class number 13, 19 commits, two five-stars, and eight four-stars. Um, and I will say that it's not as sexy as I thought it would be in right. year one. Da, 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 da. Stats time with Mitchell Light. <laughs> I like that. Good job. 19 of the top 100 are uncommitted. So 81 are committed. Can you name a school that has the most top 100 commitments? Uh, would it be Alabama? Okay, Alabama has 10. Oklahoma has 7. Georgia and Texas have 6. LSU, Miami, Ohio State, Texas A&M have 5. Clemson, oh. Notre Dame, Tennessee, and USC have 4. Penn State has 3. Florida, Florida State, Louisville, and Oregon have 2. Iowa, Michigan State, Ole Miss, Stanford, and UCF have 1. So there you go. Ooh. That's um, really good. I didn't realize that Alabama was doubling up all those other teams. Yeah, they're good. They're good because they only have three more commitments in Georgia and Ohio State. So, should we we going to continue the fastest growing segment on our podcast, the underrated player of the week, and we'll talk about his recruiting? Yeah, sure. Okay. Go ahead. This one's I'm cheating a little bit because he's like plays at Ohio State, so it's not that under the radar. But Mayan Williams, tied a school record, five touchdowns against Rutgers with Travion Henderson out. Um, a lowly three-star for Ohio State. I'm sure on your pod with Bill Landis, RIP, not Bill Landis, RIP, podcast, RIP, that you were bemoaning the fact when Ohio State took a commitment from a three-star running back from Cincinnati, ranked 627 overall. Um, but he's turned out to be pretty good. Decommitted from Iowa State late in November, committed to Oregon, um, Oregon, I have OSU, Ohio State same day, signed a few weeks later. Also had offers from BC, Cincinnati, and Kansas. Do you remember his recruitment? Yeah, I just sent you a link of the story. I went and visited him when he was in high school. Okay. The headline is Nobody's Plan B. Ooh. And the reason why is because Ohio State had two or more. That was the year they whiffed on running back recruiting, I think. And they that was the year they went all in on Bijan. And I went to go visit Bijan Robinson in Tucson, and that's when it turned into the Kevin Sumlin story. <laughs> right. But then when he, they think they took him late, I mean, this was a yeah, uh, November, December late 17th. November. He, yeah, he yeah. flipped in November. So, um, and they had Jalen Knighton on their board, too. They had a lot of other running backs on their board who went elsewhere. So they took Mayan Williams late because they needed to fill a spot at that position. And everybody just thought, eh, well, this guy's a plan B. Like, it's, you know, he'll come in and maybe he'll turn into a pretty good player and, you know, but he's awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I remember his recruitment very fondly because at the time I was a beat writer and I used to sink my teeth into all the I, – I used to write in-depth features about every single player in their class. So, yes, I remember his recruitment. Right. And he went to a high school in, in Cincinnati that Ohio State got a lot of players out of it. Yeah, Wynn Woods. Wynn, yeah, so, so right. um, yeah, but he was – I'm surprised at how good he is. Like, I am surprised that he is pushing Trey Henderson's reps down. 
Yeah, I mean, he's legit. He's not just, oh, we want to rest Henderson. Like, they, Henderson's numbers, you know, he sat this week. Henderson's numbers were, he was getting a little bit more carries, but it's basically a commit. They were share, sharing the job. Another one, Sean Tucker. Syracuse's outstanding running back had 232 yards in their 59-0 win over Wagner. He was a three-star recruit, class of 2020, from Towson, Maryland. Had offers from Rutgers and Wisconsin. So going back to Wisconsin, we can say there that how that's such a that's such a Wisconsin recruit though. They get some like random three-star running back who just turns out to be awesome, except that he happened to go to yeah Syracuse instead of beautiful Syracuse. Yeah, um, but good 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 get there. Um, yeah, that's the type of guy that goes to Wisconsin and rushes for two thousand yards, and it's yeah. like, oh my god, where do they find this guy? Yeah. Um, Cuse being five and zero, man. Yeah. Right. I mean, shit. It's they just, did the running clock in that second, or the the ten minute clocks in the Wagner game, in the quarters in the second half. Yeah, good for them. All right, uh, dude. This is like a, a magic show. Yeah, I I've got one more segment before we go to mailbag and trivia. So this is going to be a three hour show then. Okay, uh, um, I'm hungry. Are you hungry? We usually record during the day. It's nighttime. I'm a little hungry, but uh, I'd rather talk recruiting with you than go eat dinner. Um, okay. So I've got six programs here. Combination of performance on the field and recruiting. On a scale of 1 to 10, how concerned are you? Okay. So you got so you got to factor in and I'll give okay, you this is going to be a speed round then. I'll just tell you. Or? I'll go yeah, we I mean, we I'll, I'll give you their record and then the recruiting ranking. Okay. Virginia, 2 and 3 overall, 0 and 2 in the league, recruiting class is number 70 with a first year coach. Concerned. Uh, at a scale from one to ten, I'd yeah. probably say an eight. Okay, I'll go. I'll go eight. I'll go. It's it's never a good sign when your new coach comes in, who was an offensive coordinator at Clemson, and has taken an offense with Brennan Armstrong, who like threw for nine hundred yards a game. And I thought that year. was going to be a sneaky, yeah. a sneaky, uh, really good hire. And too. they suck offensively. Um, so okay, Virginia's an eight. Virginia Tech, two and three on the field, one and one in the league, at number forty-one recruiting class. Eight and a half. Okay, I'm go. I'm going seven. I'm not as panicked as I am about Virginia. But I'm also considering the stature of the program, yeah. what they're supposed to be, too, into this. Yeah, and I think that's more concerning. Okay, fair. Okay, here's a fun one. Michigan State, two and three, zero oh and two in the Big Ten, number twenty-three in the recruiting rankings. Five. I'm going six. I'm more concerned. Their recruiting rankings are their recruiting results are much better than they were two years yeah. ago. Stanford and like to me that it was never about on the field for Michigan State. Okay, I want, I, I want to talk about that in a second. Stanford one and three, zero oh and three in the Pac-12, number thirty-one in the recruiting rankings. Seven. I have seven. I'm writing them down. I have seven because just continues to trend in the wrong direction. Yeah, but the recruiting results aren't bad. Yeah, but that that brand there. They're, they're recruiting. They'll, they'll have some random bad classes. It wasn't also, that long ago where they were the worst program in college football. So yeah, it's been fifteen years, twenty years. I know, but I was old enough to remember. But it wasn't that, that long. They didn't suck for that long. Um, yeah. Okay. Here's one that's kind of weird because they just played like the best game in five years. Missouri, two and three, zero oh and two in the SEC, number fifty-eight. Okay. Two quarter. Two parter. Two parter. Okay. Well, now, if I would have asked this question last week, what would it be? And what it, like after the Georgia game? Is it? So I, w- I would have said like nine uh, last week, seven this week. Nine. Just, okay, you're just sticking with nine. You're not swayed by the close loss. I I was so high on what Eli was doing. Though. I know. Here's it. Uh, 
I, I honestly, I was talking about this with Andy. Like, should they be one of the two worst teams in the SEC? It's just a, it's a strange program. It just it's it seems like it just mis not misfits not the right word, but the way that they lost the Auburn game is just like that stays in your mouth for a long time. Yeah. Texas A and M three and two on the field uh, three and two and one and one SEC number eighteen recruiting five. Yeah, I agree. All right, so I'm gonna just do one mailbag question. If a few decommitments de- start happening, yeah. nine. Okay. Yeah. No, that's fair. Maybe a couple mailbag, but. The question that you answered your the, in your mailbag in your written mailbag at the athletic is Tuck still coming? Or are we having given up on that? And I'm going to read what you wrote, and then I'm going to push back a little bit, okay? On what you wrote, okay? Yeah. You said this season has stunk for Michigan State. There's no question about it. But the Spartans administration gave him fully guaranteed contract that spans a decade because it believes he is the man to build something with staying power. That never had anything to do with what would happen on the field in 2022, especially after a remarkable season a year ago. Tucker's job is to sign this 23 class, elevate the talent on the roster, and do it again and again and again until Michigan State is a tough out in the Big Ten again. I will push back the fact that he got his big contract in the offseason after like doing such an amazing job in the portal. And their ex- I'm sure the school's expectation was he can do this every year. He can plug holes. We're... That you don't sign well, someone. Actually, you, don't, you, on, you don't sign someone to that contract and be like, "Oh, we didn't plan. We didn't care if you're not good this year. They're an embarrassment this year. That's not part of the plan." Um. Yeah. No, I could buy that. I mean, like, if you if you can go back in time right now and say what's your concern for Michigan State, it might be higher, just because the contract. Right. Like the contract is so insane. When you told me, you're the one who told me that. They just signed Tucker to 95 mil or whatever guaranteed money for a decade. I went, what? <laughs> I went poopy a little bit. That was a that was a strange. So, like, when you say how concerned are you, I don't think them getting their ass kicked on the field this year is, is detracting from the plan. And his plan, and we've argued about this, and Michigan State people screamed at me about it elevating the way that they were recruiting, and there's no way they gave him this contract without understanding that plan. So even though he did a very good job in the portal the first year, you're not extending the coach because you think he's really good at the the portal for 10 years. That's a flash-in-the-pan type shit. Like, that's not something that you do every year. He tried. Um, He went to the portal again this year. No, I know. And they will. They'll go into it every year, but they're not going to be the Michigan State that people hope they'll be without landing this many four stars on a given year over and over again. But yeah, like I it's alarming how bad they suck. The only team. thing that the, the bad, the thing is that they suck really bad. Right. And if the, if the, how bad they suck causes half of these commitments to, to bail, then the alarm bells go off because you know, you're, you, you kind of hope in when you're talking about these things that, we always say that they don't care about the results on the field, but if they get so bad that they do start to care, then that completely shifts my thought process. But right now, I looked up the numbers, and you conveniently left that off the passage that you read. Have They they have 10 times as many five-star prospects in this year's class as they do two years ago. You mean four stars? And they're still committed. What did I say? Five stars. Four stars, yes, yeah. in this class than they did two years ago, and two and a half times as many as they I, had I'm last just, year. I'm no. just... I, I understand his recruiting, that he's elevated it. I, I, I read Ari Wasserman at The Athletic. I subscribe to 
your, your, to the athletic. Your, your th- no, I don't need to subscribe because I work there, so I get a free subscription. I subscribe to your theories. I'm just saying that they didn't. They signed this. Con- they signed him to this deal, thinking that they were getting maybe not last year's team, but a competitive upper echelon Big Ten team every year. There's no yeah. way they would have said. Oh, it's okay if you totally suck next year if you go forward. Well, they don't think it's okay that they totally suck. Right. But the, the the contract wasn't given for this year. The contract right. was given okay. for 20. Okay, if they go 9 and 3 next year, then I'll go back and I'll take I'll if I knew how I would If they don't go 9 and 3 next year, then it's a 10. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, honestly, when you sit here and say, I don't think that they they would think this when they get they gave him. They're the ones who gave it to yeah. him. It's stupid. Yeah. So, I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. But whatever they were thinking wasn't lucid. Yes. Agree. It was out of fear. Um, Samuel F. had a good question, but it's, it's more about development, and then we'll go to the trivia after this. So okay. maybe this is cyclical, but after watching Clemson's last two games, my big question is how on earth does Wake Forest have better receivers than NC State, and was there anything that showed up in recruiting that points to this answer? I'll say, first of all, Wake Forest is old. They've got a great scheme. They've got a great quarterback. Not that NC State doesn't have a good quarterback. But I think receivers, I mean, Ohio State, I'm trying to think this through as I go through. Obviously, they have elite receivers. But I think receivers a position, maybe like cornerback too, where in high school football, like high school, and they see them in seven-on-seven camps, but high school players don't go against elite cornerbacks. I think it's probably a difficult position to recruit to, and maybe that's why you see, like Vanderbilt has had for whatever, they've had some some great wide receivers that weren't highly recruited. Guys develop, and I'm just thinking this through out loud. Is is there any credence that, that that's one of those positions, or are all positions the same? You get some guys who just develop who are under-recruited. No, I mean, I, I think, too, that, like, the – it is crazy. Sometimes you'll go look at, like, a team that, that signs top five classes, and, like, Ohio State's linebackers have been worse than a lot of the teams they've played. Right. And you say, how did this happen? Well, recruiting rankings don't always necessarily mean that there isn't going to be a gap on your team. Right. Or if you miss on a few guys that it won't. And some you know, of that's coaching the scheme. Some, Ohio State has not is. been well coached defensively before last I mean they are this year, but they they weren't well coached last year, two years, so And also receivers too, like if you hit on two guys under the radar, like the entire viewpoint of it shifts. Right. So, you know, Wake Forest has done a tremendous job of getting guys that, you know, fit their scheme and, you know, they're very, very good. And, you know, that's something that happens one year, but it's not something that happens over the course of a decade. So, like, my thing would always be, Mitch, like, pay more attention to the long-term trends and don't get too hyper-focused on what you see in a given year because, I mean, Purdue had the best. You could have made the case that last year that Purdue had the best defensive player and the best offensive player player in the Big Ten. It's like they haven't had a good recruiting class since NAM. Like, I don't don't, know. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, I I just think that stuff happens. I think that's a popular thought process from college football fans too is like who watch games like how does this team that I know doesn't recruit well how do they have better wide receivers or like corners than my team or this team it just but like right yeah and it happens regularly yes right I mean you could go look at Alabama's receivers this year right and be like what what is their like shit Alabama needed to get a, a a receiver out of the transfer portal from Ohio State last year to have a good one so you know, even the teams that are unbreakable, unbeatable, have these have these blips in in certain position groups. Yep. Um, the thing that's tough with Clemson is that they've had so many good ones. Like well, he's Sammy talking about Watkins NC State. Justin. No, he's talking about after watching Clemson's last two games. How does Wake Forest have better receivers than NC State? Was his point? If I yeah, no, yeah. but I'm just saying yeah. with Clemson in general. Yeah. You know they haven't had 
the types of playmakers out there that you know they've had in the past either. So yeah, um, trivia, trivia time. Okay. I'm tired, so yeah. Like, I had two. Don't, qu- don't I had one me. question already, and I found a better one. So I'm going to hold the second one for next. Hold week. the second one yeah. for next week. Okay. So I don't have to do that. All right. How many teams have signed or have a commitment from a top 100 player in four straight classes? So they signed at least one player from 20, 2020, 2021, 2022, and have a commitment from 2023. So if, assuming of all committed players, okay, you got it. Okay. Wow. Four in a row. Yeah. At least one top 100 player in four straight classes. How many? 17. Not bad at all. 14. Okay. Can you name them? Alabama. Correct. Georgia. Incorrect. No, just kidding. I don't want to see your face. I was going to be like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Georgia. Yes. Ohio State. Correct. Oklahoma. Yes. Texas. Yes. Clemson. Yes. LSU. Correct. Um, did I say Texas? Yes. Um, you this need... one's going to be a shot in the dark here. Notre Dame. Not a shot in the dark? It's correct. Okay. Six to go. None of them are... I don't think any of them are a surprise. When you go top 100, that's pretty deep. Texas A&M. Correct. Uh, Florida. Yes. Penn State. Yes. Getting excited. How many do I have left? Three. Um, Oregon. Yes. Okay, two left. Did I say USC already? You just did. Yes. Okay. Uh, Miami. Holy shit. 17 for 17. I got them all, huh? You got 14. You got the guess wrong, but you got 17 – or 14 for 14. So you said 17, so. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I was going to try North Carolina because they had done it the previous three years, I think, but I don't know if they have one this year. Yeah, I don't think um, so. But they don't this okay. year. So, um, yeah, I mean, that wasn't – the guesses weren't hard, but, like, there, like there were a few – like, I wasn't sure Florida. Yeah. Like, I mean, those are the programs you're going – okay, you got them all without getting one wrong. I'm not surprised you like, got them all. There wasn't like one like Iowa in there or right, something right. that I like yeah. missed. You know, like I think that I'm trying to compliment most people would have. Yeah, no, it's good, but like I think most people would have guessed those two. I almost guessed Tennessee. I probably would have guessed Tennessee. I'm, you know, obviously that. I almost guessed Florida State because they at least get one every year. Did you have money on the Wake Forest Florida State game? I did not. Um. But you want to bet on the Wake Army game while I'm there, and I can give you updates. It's uh, Wake by 17. Does Wake have good defense? Uh, not really, but their 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 pass defense is the problem, and Army runs the option. What if they come out there and just throw for 600? Didn't they? What yards? game was it earlier this year? Didn't they throw for like 200 yards, and then like the next week they didn't complete a pass? Just, they come out in the spread. One, yeah. of, my, <laughs> one of my favorite Athlon story. I know we both got to go eat dinner. One of my favorite Athlon stories we ever did, and. It, Stephen Godfrey wrote it for us. It was an oral history of Army's 13 completed passes 
in like the 2016 season. They won 10 games. They completed 13 passes all season. And Godfrey talked to the offensive coordinator and the quarterback, and they like remembered every one of their completed passes. That's funny. Yeah, that's a good story. Okay, well, Mitch, I thought that was a good show. I thought we got into a lot of the good stuff, um, but also maintained its recruiting moniker, which, you know, hasn't always been easy. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for listening yet again to Stars Matter. The, the show is growing, and we're excited about it. And thank you so much for sticking with the Andy Staples feed and, you know, consuming all of it. And, you know, this this podcast especially is important to me. So um, I thought it was a really good show. Mitch, you're a great host. Um Go get some dinner. We'll get you guys next week on Stars Matter.